Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. You are listening to episode 10 of the Equipping ELLs podcast. Hey there, I'm so excited you are joining me today. I know many of you right now are in the middle of access testing, and I know when I say those words, it might instantly put a stress on you or make you feel overwhelmed with all that you are juggling right now during testing season. But in this episode, I want to remind you that you are not defined by the results of this test and why this test really isn't that important. In today's episode, I'm going to share a little bit why I don't think you should stress about access testing and three ways to truly assess your students so that you can celebrate progress and you can know what areas they need to work on. Now, before we start the show, I want to give a shout out to Peruana Mom. She said this about the first episode. I've listened to the first podcast at least twice, and I can't imagine moving forward teaching my ELLs without implementing mindset shifts. Keeping the haunting teacher down at bay is a must while promoting self-efficacy. She details the incredible power of a smile and establishing culturally responsive, sustaining education in the ELL classroom. Whether you teach ELLs or any other type of learner from the East Coast or the West Coast or anywhere in between, this podcast speaks to the teacher audience who is either rocking their teaching style or needs a little polishing. Stay strong, friends, and remember to equip yourself so you can better service your students. Thank you so much for that wonderful review, Peruana Mom. And just remember that when you leave a review, you might never know when you're going to hear your name here on an upcoming episode. All right, now let's get to the show. So today's episode is going to be focused on assessment. And before we begin, I want to define 
what assessment is. I love how educational thought leader Ana Fabrega says what assessment is. She says it's the purpose of any assessment should be to help kids see what they don't understand so they can improve, not punish them for what they don't know. Just think about that for a second. With this definition in mind, how well does your school do with that? Even more importantly, how well does the access test do with this? It doesn't, and that's why you shouldn't stress about it. Here are three other reasons why you shouldn't let access testing make you and your students feel like you haven't done enough. The first reason is the access testing does not help you or your students easily and quickly see where they have done well and where they need to improve. So what is the benefit for either of you, for them or for you? I know that this is leaving so many of our students who've been in the program for a long time frustrated. They feel like they want to give up because to them, they see this assessment every year as what's keeping them in the program and not exiting. And so when you get to those students who've been in the program for six, seven years, their attitude towards this assessment, they really don't want to do it. And they have good reason for that. It's not something that's encouraging to them. It's not celebrating their growth. And you and the students don't get that feedback for months. So don't stress about it. This is one assessment that, yes, you need to check it off if you're in a WIDA state, but don't let it change the momentum and the growth that you and your students have been making this year. The second reason to not stress about this assessment is because it's done in the middle of the school year and it dictates the next school year, which doesn't make sense. We all know that January through May are when our students are able to get into the routines. They have the most consistent days in school, and they show the most growth during these months. So testing them in January really doesn't show how well your students have done during this current school year. Again, you're going to see so much growth happen in the next couple months. And so don't let this middle of the year test interrupt the flow that you're in with your students. Get it done because you're going to have to if you're in a weed estate, but focus on what matters. Don't let this place high priority on you as the teacher or on your students and how well they're doing. The last reason is because it's an unnatural way for students to show what they know. Like I said earlier, leaves them feeling stuck in the system. I believe that if many of our native speakers took the assessment, they wouldn't pass out of it. And so How can we hold our ELL students to that same level? Is it a realistic expectation for them? Is it natural to speak into a computer? No, all of these things are not natural. So again, I'm saying these things because I want to encourage you. Go with your gut. Go with your heart on how your students are doing, on where they really need to focus. Don't let this one assessment place high priority and high expectations on your students to perform. We're not about that when it comes to learning a language. I know you realistically, you need to administer and submit the test. But in the end, as you go through this season, I want you to remember that you and your students are so much more important than a test. Now, I absolutely love assessments and I find assessing to be one of the most vital ways 
to really understand and know where your students are at. And like we said in that quote at the beginning, I'm going to read it again because it's so helpful to keep in mind when we're assessing and what we're doing. But again, it says the purpose of any assessment should be to help kids see what they don't understand so they can improve, not punish them for what they don't know. And so assessing is critical and it's powerful when it's done in the right way. So let's talk about three ways that you can actually easily check in with your students' progress and plan your lessons to meet their needs. The first way is like that quote says, assessments are used to help your students know where they're lacking, what they don't know, where they can improve in. How often are our assessments given and we then grade them, we take that knowledge, we write it down in our plan books, but we don't include our students in the process of what they did right, what they did wrong. We don't include our students in giving themselves rubrics to correct the assessment first or to give themselves a score before they turn it in. That is critical to helping our ELLs take responsibility in their learning and to reach higher expectations, they need to see firsthand where their growth is happening and to celebrate that and where they can continue to improve on. If our assessments are just paper and pencil where they turn it in, they have no idea how they did on it and they move on, that assessment is a waste of time for you and for them. So the first thing we want when we're assessing our students and really authentically assessing them is to include them in the process. We want to give them self-rubrics. We want to give them opportunities to make it up, to correct the ones that they had, the questions that they had wrong, to have multiple opportunities and ways to assess, not just paper and pencil. And we'll get to that in a minute. But it's so important that our students have a part in their assessments. So think this week, how can you include maybe a self-rubric for the assessment that your students are working on before they turn it into you. Think of how much more responsibility and buy-in that's gonna give your students instead of just taking a test, turning it in, and forgetting about it. So number one is including our students in the assessing process. Number two, formative assessments are powerful. And what I mean by formative assessments, these are the assessments that are happening in the day-to-day. And the better you can get at recording that information that you see happening in your day-to-day, the easier it's going to be for you to plan your lessons, for you to close the gaps, for you to boost your students where they need that help, because it happens in those small moments. And what do I mean by that? What I love to do is when my students are doing a cooperative learning strategy and they're up and moving and talking, that is a awesome time to listen in record what I hear and get my data going. So what I would do is walk around with post-it notes or walk around with a clipboard and just observe. You are the facilitator. Listening in student conversations is a powerful time to pull out how your students are doing. Are they using academic language? Are they using complete sentences? If you have a student who's struggling with verb tenses, listen in. And identify, oh, is the student, look at, he just used that verb tense correctly. That's awesome. Or, oh, they're still struggling on those irregular verbs. I'm going to plan a group and work on that with that student. Walking around and observing during group lessons and during classroom work 
is an absolute fabulous time to take your data. Write it down because you will forget if you don't write it down. Again, post-its are your favorite friend here. Quickly just jot that student's name down, write down what you see happening, and then later on you can stick it into their folder. Or you can use those post-its and maybe group some students together and pull them for an additional support group on something you're seeing that a few of them are struggling with. This is where you really meet the needs of your students. And this is where you authentically assess. The next thing that's so important is to give your students choice. When I was teaching at an IB school, an IB school is incredible. It's international baccalaureate. It's an incredible way to learn. There's very few testing opportunities of paper and pencil the traditional way and so many more opportunities to show what you know and to provide students with multiple different ways for them to share what they know. This reminds me of a time that I had a student who was a second language special needs student. And in first grade, he was unable to write, he was unable to read. And so if we would have given him an assessment at the end of the unit on, we were learning about animals and their habitats, on, you know, things like what's the largest mammal or what's the fastest animal, basic information like that, if he might have done okay. He might not have done okay. It would have really been a hit or miss with him. He would have needed help doing that assessment. But instead, our summative assessment, one of the options was to use clay to create their own animal and to share about the habitat the animal lives in and to share three characteristics that animal has to survive. And this second language special needs student gave the most amazing presentation. He built this incredible animal, gave it an incredible name, and then shared with the whole class all the characteristics that it had to be able to live in that habitat, to be able to adapt to that habitat, to be able to survive. And it was incredible. And that, for me, was a day that I'll never forget. Because I remember thinking, if we would have given him a paper and pencil test and tried to fit him in this box, of assessing him in this way only, we would never have heard all that he did learn throughout this unit, all the different vocabulary, all the different ways that he had thought about this animal and put it into context. We never would have known that. And instead, this student, the whole class was applauding for him. They were so impressed with what he created. And it gave him an outlet to be able to feel confident, to feel proud of his work and to be included in the class and what we were learning. And so choice matters. We cannot just continue to think that paper and pencil are the only ways to assess. And so look at what you have upcoming in the next couple weeks. If you are working on a unit or a social studies unit, science unit, see if there are different ways that you can provide your students with a choice of how they want to share what they've been working on, what they've been learning. Some students love to work with partners or in groups. Others don't. Some might like to write a paper instead of presenting on something. Some maybe would like to do a PowerPoint on the computer. Giving them options gives them buy-in. And that's what we want. We want them to be connected to what they're learning. So when you're assessing, give your students options. Let them choose what they want so that you can really see what they've been learning, not just facts 
that really, in the end, won't make that much of a difference. Now, I said I was going to share three things with you, but I'm actually going to share four. The last thing that I want to share with you, and this is really important when we're working with English language learners, is to have clarity on what you are assessing. This is when it can get really frustrating for teachers and for their students when there isn't clarity around this. So what I mean by that is just be really clear with yourself. You know, today I'm going to be looking and assessing for their listening comprehension, and I'm going to be using this activity to do that. If you know that and they know that, then you don't get caught up in other things that don't align with what you're assessing. Because when you're trying to assess content and language, it can get really tricky and it can get a little overwhelming for both you and the students. So just having clarity of what you're assessing really will allow you to see all the different ways throughout the day you can quickly assess and check in. And again, remember, take notes, write that data down, and then you'll be able to build on it as you go throughout the year and you see, wow, when I look back at the notes I took in October, these students were only here. Now in January or in February, they've moved on to this level. This is amazing. We, we so often forget how far our students have come. So writing those things down, just quick jots, really is going to help you celebrate the success of where your students have grown and then quickly check in and see areas that they need more support in. So having clarity on what you're assessing is crucial. And again, I mentioned this a couple episodes back, but if you are having a hard time figuring out what are clear expectations for your ELLs, I have a freebie that will be so helpful for you. These are the Weta Can Do descriptors, and I call them simplified version because they are broken down by every grade level and language level, and in common language, we'll say. <laughs> so you can easily flip to a second grader who's a level three in speaking, and you'll have clear expectations of what that student should be able to do. So that really helps when it comes to assessing as well as knowing what clear expectations we're setting and then what we should be assessing with that. You can grab those in the show notes or you can find them at inspiringyounglearners.com slash WIDA. But those are going to be a huge help to you if you're struggling with figuring out what you should be assessing and what you should be expecting of your English language learners. After today's episode, I hope first you feel less stressed about access testing, and also that you have clear and easy ways to check in with your students and see their real growth and progress this year. Don't forget to celebrate those small victories because remember, learning a language is very difficult and it takes a lot of vulnerability. So keep celebrating those small wins and by the end of the year, you're gonna see just how much you pouring into your students has helped them grow. If you like this episode, I'd love to hear about it. If you'd leave a review or tag me on Instagram and let others know about it. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.